Welcome to Brand Appeal, where we talk about brand storytelling in the digital age. I'm your host, Shannon Peel, and today I talked with the dadpreneur, Alex. We talked about lead generation and the importance of understanding the brand funnel, marketing funnel, and sales funnel, and how these things fit together with your lead generation and what it takes to actually make sales in today's market. But before we talk to the dadpreneur, I just want to let you know about Brand Appeal, the Brand Appeal ebook. Go to marketappeal.com, click on Brand Appeal, and download your copy of the latest Brand Appeal ebook, which will explain to you what is brand storytelling and help you start to define your brand story and figure out what you want to get known for and where you're going to tell that story. Well, now that that's out of the way, let's check in with the dadpreneur. Alex, thank you so much for being here on Brand Appeal with me today. And I have one question for you. Yeah. What is it that you want to be known for? I want to be known for being a great dad. You know, that's so important in today's world. I think that that role is really important in a child's life. I agree. It definitely was in mine. So what kind of things do you do with your kids to make sure that you stay connected to them? For starters, we decided five years ago to homeschool. When we started that journey, no, no doubt it's taken up a big chunk of my life. My wife definitely is the one who spearheads it. She's the principal, the, 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 the head teacher, everything. I'm there more to support with the math. And a few other subjects, but of course, entrepreneurship and marketing and computer science, anything that we can offer that wouldn't be offered in a traditional school. So we have four, but our little, little one is only uh, three. He's turning four. He's still just the class mascot. And he gets the benefit of watching the other three older ones sort of go through that uh, journey. And so, yeah, we spend a lot of our time together in the house. And then about six years ago, I uh, made a big switch in my business from an office where we had employees to fully virtual. So that was six years ago, 2016. And I never looked back. It was the right move. We also moved out of a busy market of South Florida into an an area just outside of Orlando that's very nice and quiet. So it kind of set us up for these three things where we could spend more time with the kids. We, um, We bought a little RV trailer, and so that kind of went hand-in-hand with the homeschool, and we get to go explore lots of nature. We all enjoy nature. So when you're talking about doing things together with them, those are some of the things. And I do involve them in our business, actually. My my 12-year-old interned for us last year and this year during the summer, so they get to do that as well. So there's no shortage of things, and we've set our lives up that way so that we can really have that uh, ability to 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 do as much as we can with them. And we're very lucky in that way. Wow. If you can get your kids to actually do the work, I I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> I would give my kids a job and they'd be like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I feel you. There's there's way cooler things to do. I agree with you. Even when we were kids, right? Like doing chores and working. But again, yeah, you're 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 trying and trying to instill this so that they can do it on their own and have their own. But of course, there's a lot of other distractions. They're not immune to that, to wanting to do this or that. Well, it's just that, um, I don't know about your your experience, but my kids seem to work way better for someone else besides me. (laughs) My sister says, my sister says the same thing with my nephew, you know, that he's going to listen to you or someone else before he listens to me. 
So I could certainly understand that, you know, um, I think it's a, it's different for every kid and, and every parent, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I think parents are dealing with a lot of challenges with the smartphones and the TikToks and all of that. There's okay. plenty of other distractions to contend with. Yeah. And, you know, it is about, you know, I, when my kids were little, the argument out in parental advisory land was, is it quality or is it quantity? Quality time or quantity mm. time? And at the time, everyone was saying it was quality time that mattered, not so much quantity time, because, you know, we were all putting our kids in daycare. Do you have an opinion on whether or not it's quality? Yeah, I think that's a really good question that I honestly haven't thought about in a long time. I seem to think that it's the quantity today. Um, the quality should come on its own. So we can't say like, well, we're going to spend time with the kids, but then I'll just be on my phone. That's not, that's neither quantity or quality. That's right. Right. So, but if I say, we're just going to go out and walk in nature to someone else, that might not be quality because they may not enjoy nature. They may not enjoy bike rides. They may not enjoy going into movies with their kids. Like me and my son, we have our Saturday nights. He's a big Marvel fan. So we watch Marvel and I make a nice, huge bowl of ice cream. That is both quality and quantity because we're adding. So I think both definitely. But I think for the reality, let's just be real. Most parents um, don't work for themselves, don't have a company. Um, and they have the pressures uh, coming from every angle. I do too. By the way, this week, our air conditioner broke, our fridge crapped out. Like, I really mean it this week. So we get it that week in, week out, all of us go through a number of things that take us away from our kids because we, we're, we're not there to just be like friends and like hang out. So we get mm -hmm. that. Um, so again, again, for us, that's why we set it up with the homeschool and the work from home. Um, and that was very intentional and it took a long time to get there. So by the way, it's not like I had a bag of money and it just like happened overnight. And, and you and you have to want that, right? I totally understand for people, I don't impose my virtues on anyone. For people who are like, are you kidding me? I would I'd like drive myself crazy if I had to teach my kids. I would drive myself crazy if I had to work from home. I get it, totally. And if it's not your jam, it's not your jam. It doesn't make you worse or better as a parent because the truth is, yes, if you're a busy professional, you're doing big things, giving back to the community and, and building a better future for your kids, do it your way, the way that you know best. I here, Here's the deal. I can definitely say, like my parents, we came from Brazil in 1988 as immigrants. My parents were working three, four jobs. You know, I'd go work with my dad um, cleaning this golf course at three, four in the morning. Right? Oh. Uh, and I, I thought it was like the most amazing thing because I got to drive the golf cart. <laughs> Yay, drive the golf cart. Um, but, but they were working three, four jobs. They had like almost no time to spend with us, but the time that they did back to your point, Shannon, which might've been a few hours on the weekends, let, let's go to the beach, a few hours, which is a fraction of what I give my kids. Yeah, man, th those hours were like amazing. We made amazing memories. So I think I said quantity because there's so many distractions, but the reality is even in my own experience growing up, it was more of that quality when they were with us, they were with us. Mm -hmm. And and that made a huge impact. So may, may, maybe you just have to find your sweet spot, but as long yeah. as you know, when you're there, you're there. Um, I think it's going to work out. Well, I think you're right. I mean, I mean, I've been a work from home mom 
I've been a work outside of the home mom. I have been a stay-at-home mom. I have been a single mom, work from home wow. single mom. I've been work from outside of the home single mom. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, and I have been a business owner single mom. So I have, I, I've, I've, you know, you, you name it. Wanna, wanna I've done hats. it. I've got all those hats. <laughs> I've got everything. I've experienced it all. And, um, you know, it was great being able to drop what I was doing to drive my kids where they needed to go and be there for them when they needed me. But they didn't, yeah. you know, especially as teenagers, they really, by the time I was on my own, they were teenagers. Right. So they didn't really need yeah. me as much. But it's that quality time. And I think that when you're with them all the time, you don't make time to have that quality time because you go, oh, mm -hmm. I'll do that tomorrow. Oh, we'll do that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. oh, we'll do that tomorrow. And tomorrow never really comes. You, you never get to the beach yeah. and you never yeah. get to the park and you never get to those things that you always thought you would do. And then you look at your kid and yeah. it's, you know, 10 years later and you're like, and he's off to university and you're going, oh, well, we really didn't do that much. Um, so I mm -hmm. think it is, you're right. Like there's the quality part, which is really important to be there mm -hmm. for them when they need you. But there's also the quantity mm -hmm. part or quality part. And that quality yeah. part is so important and very important, especially if you're right, if your parents are, if the parents are working and they've only got the few hours put the phones aside and focus on those children and go do something fun. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very important. Absolutely. But you know what? We're here to talk about your business. So thank you for talking about parenting. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm an empty nester. <laughs> I, I miss talking about parenting. Yeah. I miss having my kids around, but uh, we are here to talk about your business. So let me know. What is it that you do? Yeah. So we help other businesses grow through, lead generation that's my superpower i tell the kids unfortunately i don't have any really crazy cool like i'm going to space uh uh um, career you know but what i feel like for me what having my own business and i've had businesses in in the last 20 years in different industry construction financial um apparel um for me it was always about entrepreneurship not so much the industry mm -hmm. although i found myself in the last 12 years working directly with other businesses to help them advance right through lead generation because what i understood in all the previous businesses were depending on the economy and the cycles if i didn't have enough leads coming in then you were going like oh my god what do i do i've got employees i've got salespeople, i've got payroll what do i do sometimes you lose a client and then you freak out right yep. now if you build a really sustainable marketing strategy that gets at leads because you need leads you could have the coolest marketing plan you could have the most awesome brand but if you don't have leads coming in you ain't got nothing you just yeah. got a cool story to tell but it doesn't sell and i by the way i know some brands like that um small smaller companies that are like i have the best product they do they have an amazing story they do they're even putting some marketing dollars but the sales aren't happening because they're not focusing on building a sales team to go out there and sell their products. So what I try to tell, especially small businesses and solopreneurs is that, yes, you need to build a brand. You need that awesome story. You need the great product, but you need leads. And if you're getting, you know, 500 clicks to your website or 500 people walking through your front door every month, and you're not closing enough of them, one of two things is happening. Either your closing rate sucks because your sales strategy sucks or you don't have enough leads and it's just not enough. So which is it? Oftentimes it's both, right? 
Um, and so that's that's what I talk about with clients when they come in. How can we get them more leads? Um, and especially in the, the, the economy that where we are at right now, you start to see consumers pull in, right? They feel the inflation, the slowdown, and, and then companies go, oh, I'm going to spend less on marketing. And they're being told by other marketing people, no, you should spend more to each their own. I like to focus on customers, you know? And those leads are important in the sales process. So what you're talking about is there are different cycles. Like there's a big long cycle in the client journey. Mm -hmm. There are different funnels, mm -hmm. but there are different funnels. There you have your, your branding funnel, which then leads into your marketing mm -hmm. funnel, which then leads into your sales funnel. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to get enough people into those at different stages in order to get sure. to the sales piece. I mean, I've been a salesperson. I've gone through the sales cycle. Uh, very different than the marketing cycle, which is very different than the branding cycle. Mm -hmm. But it is the customer totally. customer journey from beginning to end. I, I know I understand that when it comes to businesses, each business has their own better best place to go out and look because it's about the customer and where the customer is. But what is your favorite platform to get leads from? For me, from the beginning, it has always been face to face, even though we're in the digital space and you're driving traffic. Um, ironically, most companies in, in my space, which is online lead gen, so you get publishers that work in affiliate marketing. In that world, it's interesting to know that the way most people grow their business is by going to conferences and meeting people face to face, not through connecting on LinkedIn and sending emails. And that's definitely not how you grow in B2B. Um, it's going there, doing those on-premise presentations and workshops and educating. So you have to go to conferences. So I've gone to hundreds of conferences in the last 12 years for this business, Predict. Um, and that's how we grew. Now, when COVID hit, as you know, there were no conferences. Yeah. So how do you continue to grow? That became very challenging for us because it was the first time that we didn't have enough leads. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, now we don't have the 20 conferences that we go to every year, whether we exhibit, speak at, go to network from, from California, Vegas, Chicago, all over. Yeah, They're not there. So there goes 2020. We we're kind of scratching our heads going, okay, let's launch a webinar series and bring people to us. That kind of worked okay for a while. We put on like a 12 part, you know, mm -hmm. that did okay, but it didn't generate enough leads or business to say, oh, it it, it picked up the slack. Nope. So then we did an, it, uh, we wrote a few eBooks. So lots of, you know, content, right. lead magnets. That, that had worked for other clients, by the way, for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but that wasn't working for us because everybody's got a lead magnet. I mean, yeah. look at HubSpot. HubSpot has got an answer to everything. I've downloaded a lot of them. And I go in yeah. and I look at these lead magnets and I'm like, I gave you my email address for this. Like mine yeah. is you actually learn something and you take action and you do something. Like when it comes yeah. to a lead magnet, what should a lead magnet have in it in order to be of value? Because most of them aren't, val aren't valuable. I love that you're bringing up that point. Now, I think what you're talking about is a very, it's very subjective, right? And here's why I say this. That particular ebook, we wrote two versions, a 20-page version and a 100-page version. And we had people complain about both. 
and be advocates on both sides. Go, oh, I love this and I hate this. The, the people that were very like high C, right, on the disc profile who really like detail, they loved the 100 page and felt like, thank you, very concise. In the A-B tests, the people who are not in that category were like, this is crazy. You want me to read 100 pages? Uh, that's no, that's what I would hire you for. So you need to convince me in a basically a 30 second video. And so we created a video series. But you don't know what consumer behavior is like, right? Because as, as you said, to someone reading that lead magnet, downloading that video, infographic, webinar, whatever piece of content it is, they may be like, this is great. I love this. Ooh, I just downloaded a podcast. This is my jam. Someone else can download that podcast and go, this is this is enough, Shannon. This is enough, Alex. That person may be the one like my wife who wants to read 5,000 words. Yes. So I feel like every consumer is different. That's why when I, I love how in the podcast industry, podcasters, you know, especially the networks, yeah, you know, 60% of people listen to podcasts. We've done a bunch of surveys. We've actually gone out and spoken to people face to face. Sometimes you're lucky if you find 20% of the population in any given group of 100 that will say, I listen to podcasts even weekly. Yeah. Most people you come across, they're like, I listen to it once in a while, but I end up listening to music. Or what is a podcast? Or what is a podcast? Is that like an online radio? Why, like, why, well, why would I do that? And they look at YouTube or TikTok. I mean, look at TikTok disrupting. It's the first real opportunity in the world of online, which I don't like TikTok either, but they are the first true search engine competitor to Google. Mm -hmm. Facebook couldn't even do it. Um, so. I just feel like if you're going to create a lead magnet back to your question, Shannon, you have to go out and just talk to your customers. And I've made that mistake myself where we as a group go, yeah, look at us. We're brainstorming. We know what they want. And you put it out there and you get like some people going that your webinar was too long. Your presentations were there's too many words on a slide or thanks for the template. But it was very confusing. The instructions were put me to sleep. Your how to video sucks. Like you get all of that, but then you get that one or two who become a huge client who, who, and I'm telling you, I have those examples mm -hmm. of mid-sized companies. That mid cap is what we're looking at who came back and the person who researched it, who might be an entry level person, passed it on to management who then sat with the CEO and the CEO said, wow, bring these guys in. And we came in and they said, look, we sent that person to all your webinars, downloaded all your stuff, talked to your, your, your other customers. You guys are the one. So don't get it in your head that because 99 people tell you that your lead magnet sucks, that it sucks. If it's converting visitors into actual paying customers, because attribution is hard to do. Mm -hmm. We get that, folks. We get it. No one has the exact science to be able to tie all that in. But if you ask all the questions, it's like peeling an onion. You keep asking and asking. And then you get to the point where you're like, you know what? We ended up putting 50 hours into this particular lead magnet. We've built the landing pages. We sent the traffic. We generated 500 leads and five really big deals closed. You did your job. Move on. Next episode. So what, unfortunately, you and I know, Shannon, too many marketers and small business people will do the lead magnet as if it's an end all. Mm -hmm. Hey, I did the ebook. I did the, the podcast episode, the video. Now I got to sit back and just watch the money come through. Why? No, you got to keep doing it. Yeah. You got to keep doing it.
it's interesting what you're talking about because as you're talking, I am seeing mm-hmm. how the a topic and you write that hundred page uh, ebook. Then you mm-hmm. break that down into different formats, different sizes, different time lengths, different, you know, depending on whether it's a soundbite or a trailer or the full meal deal. And then where that goes, owing the digital footprint to lead uh, to lead the person from brand awareness right through to brand advocacy, because that's what you're utilizing. Yeah. You're utilizing one thing, that's breaking that content and then using that content appropriately on the platforms where the customers are and the mindset that they're in when they're on that platform. Because mm-hmm. if I'm going to Facebook, I'm not looking for that 100-page book. I'm in zombie scroll brain mode. I just want to see a funny video. I just want someone to entertain me really, really quickly. Yeah. Like that's pretty much it, right? It's the playground, not 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 City Hall. <laughs> if I'm on Google and I type in how to do this, I want to see how to do this. I'm looking for something that's more in depth and I may want to download that 100 page ebook and figure out, okay, step one, step two, step three. Oh, they know what they're doing. You know what? This is too much for me. I'm going to call them and see if how much it is for them to do it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really a big piece of that people miss because they're so focused on the end. They go, oh, I got this 100 page book. Great. We'll put it out there. People will download it. And then we're going to spam them with tons of different offers in my in their email over and over and over again and not give them anything of value. We're just going to tell them buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. Does that ever work? No. I mean, not for me and not for my clients. As a marketer, I sign up for a lot of them and download the thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're emailing me over and over again. Buy this, twenty percent no, off. It doesn't. Next no. webinar. This is what we're no. Doing. Well, well, Shannon, you kind of hit it on the head when you said brand earlier. You said brand funnel, marketing funnel, sales funnel. The problem is that most of these marketers and and businesses are looking at the funnel like it's one like linear sort of customer journey. And as long as I hit this, the awareness consideration, like. No, it doesn't work that way because some people will consider and do their research for six months. Case in point, with the air conditioner that we're about to to buy, um, we needed some information to make the right decisions. And we actually did it as a project, a home ec project with my kids and how you search, how you qualify people. It's not just reviews. You got to talk to neighbors. You got to, I mean, you got to do a lot of work before you even let somebody step foot in your home, let alone call them to take an estimate and say, yeah, sure, I'll give you the, the quote. So you got to go through a, bu- you got to kiss a bunch of, uh, uh, how, do, how do they say it? Uh, uh, um, uh, you got to kiss a lot of That's right. You got to get that. That's <laughs> right. So you got to do that first. And, and, and by the way, we we're doing that. We're in the process of that right now, Shannon, where we identified nine, nine contractors mm-hmm. to give us a quote. And we're down to three because the other six were, they didn't meet the criteria on on just about every level, especially customer service. Definitely not. Actually, one had a great story, a great story, but nothing else. They they had no content on their website to educate us about the things we needed to. Is it a three and a half ton versus a four ton unit that we need? These are things. I don't want to go to Google. I don't want to go to a bunch of 
third-party publisher marketplaces and be sucked in to give you information. Yeah. When if you're the service provider, you could provide that content. The problem is you're not writing enough content because you don't value it. And you lost me because you don't have the content on your website, right? And I'm not going to use social media to do that. So I feel like the the whole problem with this the 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 spray and then pray for it's just something that is sold by some marketers out there that believe in this like the click funnel sort of you know uh framework yes it doesn't work not for me as a consumer does it work for you you know i hate to say this it did once (laughs) i I didn't read any of it in time sure I didn't read any of it. I just, you know, my mom had started putting collagen in my coffee at Christmas. And then I was like, okay, well, what? Oh, maybe I'll try it. And just happened. A collagen thing came into my email with 70% off or it was a free bag. And then 70% off on another one. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll do that. But if it was just coming and now I don't do any of it. Like I delete everything that comes through and I've got bags of this right. that I bought for 70% off because it was bulk payment. Total Russell Brunson way of doing it. It's not, it doesn't work anymore. I'm sorry. It's, but it's the a thing bunch is, of... is, I would never pay the list price on that collagen because right. I know that the real price is 70% off. So what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, especially Gen Z and millennials, the next generation that makes all the big buying decisions, oh, that is not going to work with them. And 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 I'll I'll go to the other extreme. And then in the other extreme, you have way too many brand strategists and PR people who are like, yeah, it's just as long as you tell a story, a compelling story. I can't say the name of the law firm, but there's a big law firm that we worked with mm-hmm. that pray like that was their thing, the story, the story that they were for justice. And, you know, they spent a ton of money to craft videos and we did the attribution. There was no lift in cases, right? Mm-hmm. What There was a lift in phone calls, but because they also overpromised, businesses tend to do this, right? They tend to overpromise. A, a good example is um, Thor, uh, his name is not Thor, the actor who does Thor, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Chris Hem- yeah, Chris so, Hemsworth, yeah. Yeah, so he... Yeah, so he just launched an app. It's like an exercise app, okay, with this other like, you know, nutritional buff exercise guy. Yeah. This is the perfect example. Um, The app they're leaning on and their business model leaning on Chris Hemsworth being like, you know, the guy. He's the brand. This, that. Yeah, he's the brand. And Cheddar, Cheddar Vox and a bunch of those other um, online channels, you know, went out there and sort of, asked people what they thought because there's so many apps that do the same for $10 a month. And I believe there's something like $7 a month. Um, And at the end, pretty much everybody felt the same way. Nice story. The branding was tight, but actually they, what they delivered is not what they thought they were buying. Like what, what, what the platform delivered because they thought that the voice of, of Chris Hemsworth, right. Thor since he's the one selling it and making all these public appearances and whatnot and promoting it, that he would be part of the product. Like he would be there selling it too, like doing the exercise. And they said very few of the videos, um, which is, that's what you're selling is video actually have him in it. 
Mm-hmm. So here's an, a, 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 an app that is leaning or a business that's leaning on technology, an app. They're leaning on the video craze, on social media and TikTok, and then the branding and story aspect. But they're not going to get enough downloads. And it's probably going to be another, you know, app flopped because you need more than that. You need community. Well, and, and if you're selling some. You made a good point there. You need community. And you definitely need community. There is good brand storytelling and then there's bad brand storytelling. And, you know, when you mm-hmm. are just telling the story for the sake mm-hmm. of the story, that's not going to get you somewhere. You have to have that call of action there. When it comes to real brand storytelling, there is a real structure to it. And in the end, yeah. you are asking them to go to the next chapter in the story. And the mm-hmm. story is like guiding them through all of those funnels to get to the purchase. But the problem is, is all of these people have con- jumped on the st- brand storytelling and they get storytelling, but they forget that this is marketing. They forget that this is a sale and they just tell a story like, like the lawyers, yeah. there, you know, Hey, this is who we are, but is that really who they are? Or is that just who they think everyone no. wants them to be? No. And no. that is a big, no, mistake. it's, Right. No, I can tell you from experience in those cases, it's a way to stand out, period. Which to me, it's like, you know, there's a a big air conditioning company here in Florida, too, that their big ad, and they actually fought in court for the trademark. Their big like headline is your wife is hot, call us. But this is hot, temperature hot, yeah, right? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's kind of kind of race, you know, you say, oh, it's edgy. It's not really edgy. It's just a play um, on words, just like but, mine. Uh, yeah, it's a play on words and, and it's fine. Yeah, mine too, dadpreneur. I'm the dadpreneur. Some people yeah. like it, some people don't. It's supposed to be memorable and hopefully it is. And it does, it can stand out, but it can rub people the wrong way too, right? Just say what you want to say. Sometimes I hear for, for my own moniker, the dadpreneur. And they're like, I don't really like that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm still being me. I'm not going to change it. And if I alienate some people, at least I'm being real. But when you do it for just the purpose of standing out, I think it's a mistake. And in the home improvement business. So we've worked with companies like actually used to be home advisor today. It's Angie, but we've worked with companies like that. I've worked for the Canadian version of that and Angie's list bought them. So you're right. You know, I've worked in that world. So, so yeah. And so in that world, I'm going to tell you 90% plus still to this day that for the leads that they generate for contractors come from publishers. It doesn't come from the content or the brand or the commercials. Now, this is coming from their their CMO. Mm -hmm. We depend on publishers who can drive traffic through email newsletters from SEO campaigns, PPC, you name it. They, They lean on publishers because that is the quickest way to put out an offer and generate massive amounts of leads for contractors on the network. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that all those campaigns, Shannon, they're not branded. There is no story. There's no story. It's just a service. If you're looking for an air conditioning repair person, a roofer, a siding person, a window person, here's the offer. Here's a little content to educate you on it. But like, click here and you'll get a quote. That's it. It's pretty straightforward because you find that people, when they're making those types of decisions, you know, and it's different for like kitchen and bathroom modeling. So it depends on the on on the trade. But for the most part, people are looking for the value. It's like, 
I need someone that's reputable and I need someone that will meet my price. And if there's a guy who's at 4,000 and a guy who's seven, but the guy who's like four has decent reviews and showed up on time, I'm picking him. Yeah. The guy with $6,000 quote could have the best story and the best branding in the world. In that particular case, the homeowner is going to say, that's very nice, but no thank you. And we find that that happens in every vertical from automotive. We've worked with companies like Ford. We've worked with co insurance companies like Allstate. Do you think people care about Allstate's or Geico's story or how cute their Super Bowl commercial was? No, they want a competitive rate end of story. Now, if you rub them the wrong way, once you become a customer, then then that's a different story. And I've and I've heard that directly from customers by listening to calls because we are when when we do a lead gen campaign, we also need to listen to what's happening in the call center. So I it, you have to know what your product in your vertical is and see where where people have emotions. Like now go to the wedding industry is very different. Like the wedding, that whole industry, people are very emotional when they make that purchase, mm -hmm. when they select their wedding planner, the venue, the cake person, like it's just different, right? A motorcycle, if you're buying a motorcycle, well, you better lead with a brand and a story. Harley Davidson does an amazing job with that, right? Yeah. Um, and there's other examples that I can give in hospitality, obviously like Disney and mm -hmm. others that we've worked with, but then there's other products and services in the marketplace that just, they just need leads. And as long as they're doing a pretty good job on showing up, following up, you're going to win the business. Yeah, it is all dependent on your industry, your clients, and what problem your client has. I mean, if you're a plumber and it's a business, or sorry, you're a plumber and the homeowner is building a house, they're going to be looking at how they hire a plumber. That customer journey is going to be very different than if they're standing in their basement mm -hmm. up to their knees in sewage very different, <laughs> very different customer journey. So yeah. you have to have your story or whatever it is, your contact information, which is part of your story in the place that they're going to be when they need you. And you need to tell them their story. You need to find out what they're, mm, you need to tell their story to them and why your solution is that weapon that is going to slay their dragon. And when you do that, that's what's going to make the difference. So when you're talking to homeowners that are building, well, you're going to have a very different story with a very much longer cycle than when they're mm -hmm. standing knee deep in Blackwater, right? But at the same time, if they're standing knee deep in Blackwater and they're Googling, you're still going to be having to tell the story that that's the problem you solve. If you're knee deep in Blackwater, yeah. you need to call us because we know what to do and we're going to get it so that you're enjoying right. your your home is enjoyable again. It's all about knowing what to say when and how to tell the right mm -hmm. story to the right audience at the right time. And that's not easy. Yeah. That's not easy. And a lot of no. owners just oh. go, oh, here's really my website. It's generic. Yep. It tells this features, benefits. This is who we are. Or they get into the big story and they do the whole um, story brand thing with Donald Miller. And that's great too. But once again, that's at a very specific point in the funnel. And there's lots of different mm -hmm. funnels. When you were, we were talking about funnels before, and we were saying that a lot of businesses and marketers, they have compressed the funnel to upper, middle, and lower. Yeah. It's like, whoa, yeah. wait a minute here. The customer journey isn't upper, middle, and lower. My mother took three years to figure out which Honda she was going to buy. Yeah. 
Well, I just took nine months to buy a, a new truck, by the way, nine months. Well, I took nine months. I Nirvana, I went through a bunch of different platforms and we've worked with um, dealerships in the industry. I can't tell you how horrendous the customer journey is on um, for most dealerships and OEMs. Now, Carvana, they figured it out, but it's going to take time for them to, to disrupt like an Uber or like an Airbnb, like those companies who've disrupted other industries. But there's better mousetraps out there. And it's because those companies have some great you know, minds in the marketing who is saying, like, how do we really give the customers what they want? Which you're talking about that. Another industry I wanted to mention, Shannon, for the, you know, for the your listeners to think about is education. We've worked with higher education colleges. In that case, like if you're selling a $50,000 MBA program, it's like very different than selling a certificate program or a bachelor's you really do lead with like a great story there and you leverage that brand, whether the school has a football team or this or that and the other. What so there it? are industries. Yeah, because you're yeah. looking at the prestige. You're looking at the prestige. It's is prestige, your brand but... a prestige brand? Is it a luxury brand? Is it a, a value brand? Is it a, yeah. you know, what is it that your brand does? Because so, like when you're talking about higher education, because my kids are both in university right now, so I, I can totally get this. But, you know, university in Canada is very different than university in the States as well. We we don't have as much competition mm -hmm. up here. But I got one kid in UBC and one kid mm -hmm. at UVic. When it comes down to it, UBC is a very highly rated school. But so is mm -hmm. UVic. Then it comes down to, okay, which one is in the right town? Which one has the program that you want and all that? Mm -hmm. But that's a very different degree than getting it from Langara, which is mm. not as high highly rated or sought after mm. as the as the University of British Columbia. Um, mm. But then maybe you want to go and get your degree at McGill or Queens. Once again, more mm. money, higher prestige, more money. People aren't really right. looking at, you know, right by this point, the story is so long, they're just going, I want that degree because I want, I want to get certain jobs because Harvard is going to get me open doors for me that, mm -hmm. you know, community college isn't. So that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, look, uh, what, what what is it? 97% of the 32 million businesses here in the U.S. That's a lot of businesses are solopreneurs. So when we say small business owners, yes, mo most small businesses are one person businesses. Mm -hmm. So they don't have expertise in every, every area of business. We get it. So when it comes to to me, marketing, branding, lead generation, digital, uh, look, you can't look at companies like Patagonia or 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 Starbucks or Disney or Chick Fil A <laughs> or Uber or Tesla or all the ones that you think the media says, oh, they're that's the brand. Look at how they. It's totally different. You're a one person team. Like you need to go out and talk to your customers and find out what works for them. And if having a podcast or doing a webinar or creating a newsletter or writing a book or doing a video series, like you might find out that you don't even need to be on social media at all because you, you may find out that your audience is like, no, that's not where I choose that service. So, and, and you might find out that you need to be on just one, but just for messaging, just for communication rather than posting endlessly about nothing you got that i mean you have hit the nail right on the head there because it is it is about each business has their own 
it, it depends on what your objective is. Your brand, mm-hmm. what's the objective of your brand? Some people's objective is to be globally known. But even, even those ones that you were talking about, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, one person company once. And at that time, they mm-hmm. did things very differently than they do today. And they weren't totally. copying anybody. They became icons yeah. because they did it their own way. Because they did it in the right. way that was what that was working for them as a business. Let's not forget it. Like for all those companies that we hear about how great they are at brand strategy and this and that. The fact is that in every single one of those stories, the founders did it for the shareholder for the investors. So everything gets set aside and you do it for the shareholder. How can we grow and make the most money in the market? That's 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 literally it. And if it means like in the case of Peloton, who is flailing now, um, if in the case of Peloton, it means they spent more than half a billion dollars on, on marketing in 2021, and in 2020 was about the same, which by the way, was more than 60% of revenue. Or in the case of Salesforce is a great one that's software, they've been around for more than two decades. At, at, at their peak, Salesforce was spending 40% of revenue on marketing, which is insane. Most people will say it should be around seven, 10%. Some conservatives will say 5%, no more than that. But could you imagine spending like Peloton 60% of revenue on marketing and then coming to the conclusion that, holy crap, we got it all wrong. Now that the pandemic is over, people don't want to ride their bikes in their garage and spend like thousands of dollars on a subscription. They got it wrong. Yeah. So even when you have all that money, all they were looking at was not the customer, but how can we make more money for shareholders? And what but I'm here to say to the listeners that if you have a small business, please don't try to take a page from these types of companies because it doesn't work that way. You're not pandering to shareholders. It's your customers. And I know that when I talk to my customers, they think very different about marketing and lead gen than I or my competitors think. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, you're so right because when you have a VC that comes in and says their thing is get known as fast as possible so we can sell the stock. Mm -hmm. And you're right, because that's all that's about. So if you're not going, if you're not planning to get VC money and you're not planning to be, you know, public, then you're, Mm -hmm. you have to make a plan for your brand that makes sense for you. You have to structure your funnels in a way that makes sense for you. If you hate Facebook, adding Facebook to your funnel is probably not a good idea because you're never going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to do what you like it. Your brand is a reflection of your, of yourself, of your values. Yes. It stands alone on its own, but as a solopreneur or a small business, it still is a reflection of who you are. Absolutely. And, and, and I will say this, and I'm sure it is the case in Canada as well as in the U.S. and around the world, because I can tell you, I, we, we get leads all the time from all sizes of businesses. Read the data and you will find that there are thousands, thousands of companies, not like a million dollars a year in revenue. I'm talking companies doing hundred million dollars or more of business a year that is doing very little on social and that has an outdated website that you would go, there's no way. Now, again, a lot of those are manufacturers, distributors, whatnot. 
But nevertheless, there are brands out there that see the marketing strategy very different than their competitors. And no, they're not just throwing money at social media and those things. So just, just take a look at the people in your industry is my advice and see what the most successful ones are doing. You're probably going to find that there's many of them that aren't doing what you're being told to do by the hub spots of the world. So yeah, because you got to remember that those people that are telling you that digital marketing is the way to go make money from you when you pay them to do digital well, marketing. For sure. <laughs> okay, my biggest advice and takeaway would be this, Shannon, has nothing to do with spending any dollars on digital marketing or lead generation services. The number one thing that I would say for anyone that's thinking, I need to grow, I need more leads, do I need digital marketing, is to simply spend time talking to your customers before you decide to spend a dollar, I, I I assure you what you're going to find in almost every case of this discovery is that there's room for improvement mm -hmm. in your journey and customer's experience. And then you're going to have to go optimize that first and go, oh, my God, the payment link, you know, to, to do a transaction takes like four steps. Now I'm finding out that it's not so good for the customer. Let's go fix that first. That's right. Let's go create content that our current customers want. I'm telling you, once you that doesn't cost you anything. This is something you do internally. So you do your own audit and then you talk to the customers. You find out, you fix it. And then you say, now I'm ready to decide where I want to spend the money to generate more leads. Because the worst thing is to go generate more traffic, more leads, being that it's not actually even working to its best uh, uh, abilities, right? Or potential. You know, Alex, I heard through the grapevine that you have a new course. Can you tell me about that course that you got going on? I do. And I've had good feedback and bad feedback. Oh, oh man. I'm, I'm, I had one that gave me, I mean, really rough feedback. So what I'll tell people is this. The course is not for, the course is a lead generation course. So it's not for those who are like, hey, I just need some hacks. It's not a hack. It's, it's you're going to put bare minimum 10 hours in this course plus the templates and quizzes. And so you, you're probably going to end up with about 20 hours when it's all said and done. That That's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So you're probably a business owner who really wants to know digital marketing and lead gen. And, and then you're going to do the course. And so the course is, is on Udemy. I think we have it listed for about 200 bucks. The reason I created a course was because I, cr I heard way too often from small business owners and solopreneurs. I've had five SEOs. I've had web developers. I've had email marketers. I've had, and it still hasn't worked. And I think to myself, boy, are there really that many bad digital marketers yes. out there? I don't think so. I'm sure there are some bad ones. But the truth is, you probably didn't do your part, mm -hmm. is what I find when I start to ask the questions. And I go, well, actually, that's not their fault. They created this. You didn't do that. Um, like for example, I'll do the secret shopping right off the bat and I will submit a form on their landing page. They take two, three days to get back to me. I get that nice little automated email, which means nothing, yeah. but then you take three days to get back with me. So you told me that the last SEO didn't do their job, but the thing is you don't even follow up on time. So my point is in the course is this come to Jesus moment where I'm putting pressure on you, the business owner, who's saying, oh, I've done all of this over the last 20 years and it's never worked. You probably didn't do your part. You're going to learn how to do your part in this course. It talks a lot about the journey, talks a lot about customer experience and what you need to do before you invest time or money 
on a campaign. And then when you're done, if you're ready, you could say, okay, now I need to go hire someone who I feel is trusted because I, to me, it's still the best way to find the right marketing agency or marketer to do it for you is to talk to people like you, Shannon, mm -hmm. is to go on a podcast, is to do your research. And just like I'm doing with my trying to find my air conditioning guy, online only played one part, like it's, it plays a part in my decision, but I talked to a lot of neighbors and people in the community before I chose the right one. So I think in business to business, it's still the thing. You can't take a course, read a book, do a webinar and be like, okay, sure, Alex, here, you're the guy. No, you, you need to go out and talk to people. A different way of thinking about it is if you take the course, I suggest that you sit down with a marketing strategist, someone like yourself, mm -hmm. Shannon, who can say, let me put the strategy like an RFP, a request for proposal. But so you already have your strategy. Then you go out to the marketers or agencies and go, I'm looking for you to do this. Yeah. So there's a separation between church and state. <laughs> and then you say, can you do this? When? How much? Who? How else would you improve upon it? How would you measure it? You're right, because it's about managing those expectations. Yeah, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. And I would like to know if more people want to find out more about the dadpreneur, where can they go? just to dadpreneur.co. So make sure it's .co. There's a lot of free content there. Uh, hopefully, no lead magnets that 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 uh, Shannon would say, this is not valuable. We've put our time. And again, I'm sure there's some that might be like, okay, it's low. But I, I try not to make it complicated. So some of the things you may look at and go, that's really simple because I'm not trying to build marketing for other marketers. Right. I'm trying to build it for the the thousands of businesses that we've worked with and had great experiences with. And I'll leave you with just one thing, whether you go to dadpreneur.co or to listen to Shannon's other guests, I think that if you're a business owner considering spending any time or money on marketing, you have to be prepared to test yeah. it, it, a lot of different ways. And I don't think that most people enter with that mindset. The mindset is like, I'm spending this and I want the ROI to be that. And unfortunately, the bad news is there's a lot of testing that goes on before you get to success. So just be prepared. That's all. And uh, you'll find some of it that on the dadpreneur.co podcast and website. But I think your podcast, Brand Appeal here, Shannon, I listened to a few episodes. I mean, you're bringing on some really amazing people like Mark and, and, and his son with the crazy socks. Yes. Really, some great episodes. I had them on my on my podcast, and I thought to me they have one of the most compelling stories. I wanted to buy socks like I know. immediately. I, know? I don't. I don't like uh, socks. I don't wear socks, and I wanted to buy socks. <laughs> so I, I'm with you. So I think they're a great example of one of your past guests where they are doing it right, and they're spending the time to do the the PR properly and then delight customers and then ask them to keep coming back and refer. So yeah, they've got a stuff. great story. They've got a great story that is about, it's a heart story. So it's, they have a really good story. Yeah. But thank you so much, Alex. Well, listener, I hope you learned something today and I would love to know what that is. Please send me a message at Shannon at shannonpeel.com or drop into marketappeal.com and join the brand appeal community. Just click on brand appeal and follow the instructions. And don't forget to download your free copy of the Brand Appeal ebook. Until next time, peel out.